1: Hi, Alex. Hi, Bobby. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you today for our favorite segment that we've planned in a long time. It's called A Deep Dive on Whether Joe West Was Right About Coronavirus. Look, we have to hear him out. That's that's all I'm saying. I mean, he's an integral part of the baseball world. Yeah. And he has and thoughts about the pandemic.
2: Right. I mean, he is and epidemiologist like the rest of us these days so
1: well he's not a podcaster so that makes him an epidemiologist you know how podcasters we are not gotta give that caveat we are not epidemiologists you and I Alex
2: he said quote those statistics aren't accurate this is about Florida Florida where the sky, uh, virus is skyrocketing he said
1: 50,000 t- cases today as yep. we speak on Sunday July 12th please stay safe if you're a listener in Florida <laughs>
2: those statistics aren't accurate I don't care who's counting them mm-hmm. when country music uh, singer Joe Diffie died you know Joe, Joe Diffie hey, they, they said he died of the coronavirus he had stage 4 lung cancer the coronavirus may have accelerated his death but let's be realistic our system is so messed up they have emptied hospitals because there's no elective surgery I, I don't know where he's going with this the government has been giving these hospitals extra money if someone dies of the coronavirus. So everybody that dies is because of coronavirus. I don't care if you get hit by a car. It's coronavirus.
1: But if we just say, I wish we had audio of this so we could just single it out. Where he says, I don't care if you get hit by a car. <laughs> Whoa, dude. Wait. So wait, Joe West is Trump. That was so Trumpy he went on seven different tangents he started talking about a country music singer yeah he started talking about how hospitals get more money if you die of coronavirus is that even true i feel like no i i feel like (laughs) it's like okay money please we just had another death let's call up uncle sam no
2: no i think it's Hospitals that are dealing with deaths are getting funding from the government because that's how a government should work. It's not like, "Hey, Steve, you have COVID, cough on this other patient and so that we can get another 20 grand from him."
1: Yeah, he's so close to getting it right too, though, because like the hot, the private hospital executives who are like profiting off of all of this, like he's really close to getting there, but he's just not. Yeah. he's like stuck in the reddit conspiracy theory.
2: That is literally, that's literally what he's stuck in. The, the Joe Diffie country singer reference is also a conspiracy theory that he like died from stage four lung cancer or something like that. like that's just, He literally is just in conspiracy theory land.
1: Even if what he said is true, that he had stage four lung cancer and then died because he got the coronavirus, like, that's just a fundamental misunderstanding of cause of death. Like, he still died from the coronavirus. Like, when you get sick, when you get older, a lot of people, they die of pneumonia. You know, like, that killed him. And he wouldn't have been dead on this day if he didn't get the virus. So, like, what is Joe West trying to prove here? The virus only kills you if you might have some kind of condition that you could die from it from? Yeah, we know, Joe. We've been reading the New York Times also. We've been watching Dr. Anthony Fauci's illegal live streams since he's not allowed to talk on national tv anymore
2: bobby i don't think you get it he doesn't care if you get hit by a car it's coronavirus that's (laughs) that's the takeaway
1: (laughs) (laughs) can we get him out of here can this be a reason to get him out like fire him they i know the mlb umpires they have a union but like can everybody on both sides just agree like this guy's gotta go
2: Yes, please. I, th- I mean, I think the the union came out and basically were like, yeah, his state his statement doesn't reflect our views on this issue. We're taking this stuff very seriously. So like, they clearly understand he's uh, he's out there right now, just kind of just marching to the beat of his own drum. So yes, I think to answer your question, yeah, Joe West, you're out of here.
1: We didn't even talk about my favorite part of this, which is the quote that he said where he was like, if baseball hasn't gotten me yet, coronavirus won't.
2: Which is true. I mean, they're basically the same thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, people do die at alarming rates while playing baseball. Oh, wait, no, that's football. Sorry. Uh, Okay. We're going to talk about other bad takes on this podcast, and later in the show, we're going to talk to Fabian Ardaya of The Athletic about covering baseball as it returns and about angels this year but before we do all that i am bobby wagner i am alex basely and you are listening to tipping pitches (music) alex we're playing our favorite game to start the podcast out today
2: what game is that bobby
1: it's called the bad take dramatic reading
2: marcus hayes come on
1: down You're invited on the tipping pitches bad take dramatic reading. Are you ready, Alex?
2: I am. I am so ready. It's been a while since we've done one of these. A uh, few weeks, at least. This used to be a regular uh, regular occurrence on this podcast. We were we were like drowning in bad takes a year ago. Where have they all gone? We implore I mean, you to write more of them.
1: More baseball equals more bad takes because there's just more people writing columns about baseball. So hopefully, we just get a bunch of terrible takes this year.
2: Wonderful. That's honestly the, the best case scenario for this season.
1: <laughs> okay, column, Marcus Hayes of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Love to rep my hometown, 215. Let's do it. Zach Wheeler, Mike Trout, consider opting out, comma, abandoning their teams and the game. <laughs> Off to a great start with that headline. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, so far, I mean, he's got me hooked. I don't know whether I believe him or not, but I'm there with him. You know.
1: You know who's not abandoning the game? Joe Joe West. West. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. Major League Baseball spent months negotiating with the Players Union to devise a safe means to return to work. Seems like the least the players could do is show up. (laughs) He's got us there. That. Okay. So first reaction to that. That's at least a real lead. Unlike all of the columns that we've done with Phil Musnick, where it's he just, not a
2: goddamn metaphor, thank God. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's just like <laughs> he's telling us what the article is going to be about. It's yes. not Phil Mushnick talking about like aviation in the 1940s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last weekend, Phillies pitcher Zach Wheeler and Angels superstar Mike Trout floated the notion that they might not play due to the coronavirus pandemic. They did so while at makeshift spring training. Both cited pregnant wives who are due during the truncated season, which begins in two and a half weeks. That's a valid concern. Thanks, Marcus. That's a valid concern, since pregnant women who are infected are five times more likely to be hospitalized than women who are not pregnant. That's good. Okay. math. All right. Yeah. He's making a lot of good points. He's
2: making... Points have been made so far.
1: This is a classic column strategy, is you lay out a truncated version of the argument that you are trying to dismantle. And then the best columns, they dismantle it. Very well, so that you were kind of siding with the one side that they said, and then you go all the way one eighty in the other direction.
2: Yeah. So Marcus, Marcus cares about pregnant women, obviously, and and those who are times
1: more likely to be hospitalized.
2: Yeah, exactly. So Marcus, I'm I'm with you. This is a real concern. Why uh, Why shouldn't I be
1: concerned about it? Oh, reader. Oh, Alex, you're about to find out. The problem is baseball cannot afford continued losses of big names or any names, really. Wheeler and Trout would join nine other ballplayers who have opted out of the 60-game schedule. 31 players have tested positive so far and might face six weeks or more of recovery or at least half of the season. That's 40 players, a full roster out of the 30-team league-wide pool. We're only six days in.
2: I, there's too many numbers, Marcus. Can you cut that down? A lot of math going
1: on. Let's boil that down for a second, Alex. He's saying it's very valid that they might not want to play because their wives are pregnant and they could die. They could literally die. Yeah. And then his reason for that they should play anyway is because we can't afford to lose more baseball players. (laughs) Attrition is inevitable. It's a virus. Abandonment is elective. If this abandonment continues, the season simply cannot happen. Billy Skipper, Joe Girardi, believes that how baseball manages testing and mitigation of virus spread will determine whether so many players jump ship that the season never sets sail. There's the metaphor. We are waiting on it.
2: Attrition is inevitable is the name of my metal band. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the name of this podcast. Attrition is inevitable is the name of this episode. Uh, okay, here's a quote. Quote from Joe Girardi. I think it's going to come down to how these next three weeks go. Wow, A revolutionary quote. Thanks, Joe Girardi. To see how many players opt out. Oh, it's going to come down to the next three weeks before the season starts to see how many people opt out of the season. Wow. Definitely needed to see that as a quote. Our game is much bigger than just one player. It's probably much bigger than 10 players. Is there a number you would say it's not much bigger than? Probably. I'm not so sure what that number is.
2: Actually, in this whole column, that quote from Joe Girardi might be the standout. What the fuck did he just say? What are you
1: talking about? He's like, he's like trying to reason with himself as he's speaking about how many players would have to opt out or die before it was like, nah, it's not really baseball. Before it was like minor league baseball. Look, Bobby, baseball
2: is much bigger than one player. It's bigger than 10 players. Is it bigger than 15 players? I would say it's a little smaller than 15 players. I think it's maybe baseball is about the size of 12 to 13 um, baseball players.
1: It's like 99 baseball players on the wall. Take one down, pass it around. 98 baseball players on the wall. <laughs> How about 30? If about 60 players are consistently unavailable due to COVID-19. And if 30 frontline players opt out, that's 90 players total. Are you with me on that math? 30 plus plus. Dude, he is, he is
2: dropping. I mean, you need like a degree in, I don't know, calculus.
1: Mar- Marcus to to really said Saber Yeah, <laughs> That's three teams worth. That's too many. Oh. Which is why op which is why this opting out business must stop. We're watching multimillionaires decline to work after they spent the last six weeks begging to go back. That's selfish and elitist, especially at this moment. Millions of Americans have lost their jobs and millions more never stopped working at considerably greater risk than David Price would incur. Just throwing David Price into the mix right there.
2: Also, the idea that if Americans could opt out of working and like still be taken care of by their employer. Everybody would I, do that. Everyone would do that in a heartbeat. It doesn't matter if you're making $30,000 a year or you're making a million dollars a year. If your employer's like, look, we're going to guarantee a portion of your salary so you can live comfortably and you don't have to come to work. I would do that. I like my job. I would do that.
1: We've got cops patrolling protests in Minnesota. Here's where it gets really Shh. bad. We've got firefighters battling blazes in California and Arizona. All over America, we've got doctors, nurses, and orderlies strapping on protective gear to fight coronavirus and cancer and fix our lungs and brains and hearts. What are we... We're talking about cancer now? They're not rich, so they can't opt out. Markers should have opted out from writing this column. None of the players who aren't playing has earned less than $5 million. Most have earned more than $75 million. That's a lot more than the clubhouse attendants and bullpen catchers and janitors and cooks will earn in their lifetimes. They can't opt out. Some of them have pregnant wives too. Alex, working pregnant wives who can't opt out either.
2: This no. actually, I uh, he's no, making I'm, the I'm right serious. argument. This is this is a a very good point, right? Yes. In in that these are there are plenty of people out there who don't have this luxury, and absolutely, the argument that he should be making is not baseball players then shouldn't be allowed to opt out either in solidarity with working people everywhere. But he should be making the argument of everyone should be able to opt out from this. Or that baseball shouldn't
1: happen. (laughs) None of the players who have chosen to extend their vacation has been deemed high risk, but most cite protecting people with whom they live. There's a solution to that. Move out. Move out. What does it even mean? Marcus said, kick,
2: kick your wife to the curb.
1: You might miss a birth or the few, first few weeks of your kid's life or back to school 2020, but you will be protected and you will be tested and you will be italics doing your job. I'm sorry, What is
2: what does Marcus think baseball players like actually? Like Marcus is putting baseball players next to frontline healthcare workers and saying, well, Zach Wheeler, do your job as if it's just as vital to like the survival of humanity as like fighting cancer, which I guess is just kind of a thing where it's also getting tacked on here.
1: Yeah. He says in the next paragraph, because that's what it is. A job players were hired to comprise a team with the goal of winning a championship. No matter how asterisk the season becomes, these players were hired to display their skills and drive an industry. If that sounds insensitive, Consider the battleship cruises that separate people from their husbands and wives, and parents and children for months, with zero five-star hotels, Michelin three-star restaurants, or first-class airplane seats.
2: Marcus, when when we said we evaluate baseball players by war, we didn't literally (laughs) mean they're going to war.
1: Want to protect your family when teams have begun to travel? Fine, rent an apartment or crash with a teammate. But get up, go to work, do your job. Come home, wash your hands, and wear a mask. Damn it! Create the bubble your union was too short-sighted to create for you. Oh, you got a little union bashing
2: in there, so that's nice.
1: This is even, an insanely long fi- column. I can't even finish this because I, we're about like two-thirds of the way through this. Uh, my favorite part
2: is the is the the last third where he just starts doing like a bunch of math about how much certain players would. Make if they sat out and like seriously the the just sheer amount of numbers in this column is staggering. Like we get it, Marcus. You passed algebra in high school.
1: I'll just read you the. (laughs) I'll just read you the last (laughs) couple sentences. COVID nineteen is real. That's good. At least he acknowledges that. Thanks, Marcus. Yeah, yeah. And it's vicious. But even if a vaccine appears soon, it will be part of our existence until our existence ends. He really thought he was doing something with that. It is our job to learn how to manage it. That might mean less family time. And that might mean some players get, quote, upset. But that's the thing about a job. Sometimes, you just do it. It's the least you can do. Unless you do nothing at all. I mean, dude, it's like he wrote this. He might as well have tagged us. He might as well have wrote our names in this. He was begging to be bad take dramatic red. (laughs) So, (laughs) <laughs> it's like what do, you even, what do you even say to these people these people are, exist they're real this is a real dude I want to know did Marcus go into the office to write this column <laughs> Marcus if you're listening did you write this column from home or did you go into the office and um, do your job expose yourself talk to your editors face to face wearing a mask god damn it of course but
2: I like how he sl- slips in there the, the like, you might miss a birth.
1: <laughs> you might miss the first few weeks of your child's life. Like, like, get the fuck over it. You, you might have, quote, less family time. What's it like, Mike Trout should just go see his pregnant wife like once or twice and expose her once or twice as opposed to every day? What are we doing? The
2: idea that baseball is this worth it? Like, if you want to say, hey, I think we should have a season because that's what this country needs right now. Fine. If that's the hill that you want to die on, cool. Write that column, call it a day. But the idea that players who aren't comfortable with playing during a global pandemic that is literally getting worse in this country by the day, by the day, the idea that you should just be like, well, suck it up, Mike Trout.
1: Quite literally, suck it up, Mike Trout. Like, that is, gen- gen- like, that's just directly That is the point of the column. Yeah. It's so great that this was written for the Philadelphia Inquirer and that the headline singles out Zach Wheeler and Mike Trout because Zach Wheeler, he's the new guy in town. He's the new $100 million pitcher that Phillies fans are like, oh, you're going to opt out? Oh, fuck you. And Mike Trout is obviously the one that got away, South Jersey legend. Philadelphia Eagles super fan just signed for the rest of his career in Los Angeles. Despite the fact that I know a million Phillies fans who are like, Oh, he's definitely coming to Philly when his contract is up, definitely coming to Philly. So, like, Marcus Hayes is operating on a lot of levels here and it's working. It's working. We just read out his whole column. Congrats, he, Marcus. You I did know,
2: it. right? We, uh, there's a section we glossed over near the end where he quotes Mike Trout as saying, I've got to be there. If I test positive, I can't see the baby for 14 days, Trout said last week. We would be upset. Heaven forbid Mike Trout should be upset. <laughs> I would like Marcus Hayes mostly to say it to these players' faces. That's kind of what I want to see. Like, yeah, it feels, feels good to be able to write this column sitting in your uh, armchair. Walk up, walk up to Mike Trout and say it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Folks, there's a good chance we don't have a vaccine by spring 2021 or even by next summer. I'm quoting from his piece again, obviously. What then, Mike Trout? What happens if we're at this same place in seven months? I would guess that he would still not feel comfortable playing because he has a baby. Like, the notion that baseball is even important enough for you and I to get as upset as we do week to week talking about it is absurd. We're absurd. This is an absurdist thing that we do. But the notion that people should die because of baseball is actually so illogical, I can't even, I can't even discuss it. I can't, this is worse than Joe West being a Reddit conspiracy theorist denying coronavirus. Because at least Joe West is like, no, it's not real. I won't die. Everyone's going to be fine. Everyone's going to be healthy. Like Marcus Hayes is like, no, you should actually risk dying to play baseball so that I can watch it
2: yeah for me cuz i need something to write about
1: but he hates the players so like what's the why are you still watching it and writing about it and doing a column about this
2: bro this is we we asked for this by by making a baseball season happen in the happen in the middle of a pandemic like this is this is not the first or the last take like this that we're going to hear teams are going to make tough decisions over the next few weeks and months to play or not play during a pandemic and they're going to get ridiculed for it by a certain amount of people because they're like, well, you make millions of dollars to do this. How about just suck it up? It's like, yeah, COVID doesn't give a shit how much money you make. Nope. Like, literally, sorry. COVID
1: doesn't care if you're the president of fucking Brazil. Yeah. Or England. Or hopefully the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you have anything else to say to Marcus, Alex? I'd invite him to come on Tipping Pitches and discuss. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You know what? Maybe we get Marcus on and we get uh, Mike and Zach on as well. We can just have a little roundtable discussion and Marcus can air out his grievances and on, on why he thinks that Mike and Zach are just wusses.
1: I mean, I'm I'm open to just having and Mike and Zach's wives on too. Yeah. And if Marcus wants to lay out his detailed plan. You know, Marcus understands that they're five times more likely to get sick and hospitalized from coronavirus. Maybe he can tell them why that that's not important. Yeah. That's a great so that open open invite. Yes, open invite. Marcus Hayes and the fam the Wheeler and Trout families. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Tipping pitches. Uh Okay, what else do we need to do before we go talk to Fabian? We got news this week that despite the fact that we're we have extenuating circumstances this season, despite the fact that it's only going to be a 60 game season despite the fact that baseball has a real opportunity according to Rob Manfred to grow and be the only thing that people are watching or be one of the few things that people are watching live that uh, MLB TV is still going to black out basically every local market in the draconian way that it always has. And it's going to charge half of what it usually charges for a full season despite the fact that they're only playing 60 out of 162 games. <laughs> we get, We now go to Alex for comment. Alex, does MLB want people to like baseball?
2: No, and I don't think Rob Manfred does. Uh, I don't think he likes baseball. Not Clearly not a fan.
1: Do you think that Rob Manfred has ever logged into MLB TV?
2: I honestly, no. Because if he did, I think it would probably be much worse. He would see that it performed a little too effectively. And he'd be (laughs) like, hang on, can we make the play button three times the size?
1: Are you re-upping that MLB TV or are you protesting? speak with your wallet bro.
2: Yeah, seriously. Um I don't I think I'm going to probably 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 wait and see. Um, I still have not come to a conclusion on how I'm going to engage with the sport in 2020. I'm going to watch it, but I'm not going to feel good about it and I don't really feel like giving money to them for this right now.
1: Yeah, it's going to so, be a reddit, it's going to be a reddit season for me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How does this ha- how does this happen? I know that feels like almost too obvious of a question, but all seriousness, you know, we've been doing a lot of laughing. We've been doing a lot of...
2: You have fun here.
1: We've been doing a lot of ridiculing <laughs> of Joe West and Marcus Hayes and those sorts, but how does it happen where this is a season where ostensibly your sport could really grow? Like a lot of people are going to be watching for the first time in a long time or for the first time ever. And you make it as hard, if not harder than ever, because people are strapped for cash and can't afford their local cable package for a lot of young people. How do you fuck this up this bad?
2: I mean, this is what happens when vulture capitalists take over a sport and turn it into a business that doesn't actually care about the product that it's making but just cares about its bottom line and its backroom deals and make sure it's keeping the cable companies happy happy. And make sure it's keeping its TV executives happy and ultimately doesn't really care how many people tune in to watch the baseball game because that's not really where they're making their money. I mean, if enough people stop tuning in, (laughs) then it starts to make a difference. But like it would it would be such a great idea for baseball to be like, hey, you pay 20 bucks, you can watch. Any game this season. We're in extenuating circumstances. I am not imagining that a large portion of major league baseball's income comes from MLB TV. So why not just like open the floodgates? Just like let people watch games. I understand they have like contracts that they're dealing with, local local TV news contracts that they're dealing with. But like, I don't know, just turn around and stand up to them.
1: Yeah. You know that force majeure clause that you were going to use on the Players Union? Why don't you use that in your contract with the local TV networks? Oh, I know why. Because they pay you billions of dollars. And you just bend the knee to money at all costs. Uh, No, you're right. I think the local TV stations are struggling, quote-unquote, too, because they have nothing to show right now. And if they don't have people who need to exclusively turn into their games in their markets... And it devalues the idea of even having a regular season, right? It devalues those games that you're going to show because there are a lot of people who can watch it from the market for only $20 and they don't have to pay the $60 a month or whatever that the cable package costs or the $20 a month that the edition, the SNY edition, the, the Yes Network edition costs in New York city. But you're right. I mean, there has to be like a third way out here. Like there has to be, some kind of exception in 2020 since it's such, such an exceptional year where you can just say like, oh, you have MLB TV this year. Let's grow the game this way. And TV executives, you weather the storm for one year, whatever that storm looks like. And then in a year from now, you have a larger fan base who likes baseball more. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, or, or, MLB, or you get MLB a portion like- of the revenue. Like you just get a different portion of the revenue based on who is watching in market.
2: Right, like MLB just eats the money, it eats the money, and says, "You know what? We want to we want to grow our sport. We're willing to toss millions of dollars to TV companies so that it doesn't fall on them and they're not losing local viewers because we want to grow the sport, and this is an opportunity for that." Like, sorry, that's the. <laughs> Just, isn't this like how investment works? Like, aren't these guys paid millions of dollars like to figure this shit out?
1: I am sensitive to the idea. Like, I know I recognize that we've backed ourselves into a corner now, and like the most powerful people in terms of the future of baseball are like local network TV executives. That is just that is a fact. Like all these billion dollar TV rights deals, you know the Fox playoff deal that was like seven billion dollars or whatever that you and I talked about, or four billion dollars or whatever it was. All of that stuff actually matters to the future of the sport. Like, we don't get this version of baseball. We don't get this much baseball. If not for those TV executives agreeing to continue to pay for it. Otherwise, it just becomes like golf or like horse racing or boxing. And we, like, move towards a pay-per-view model or something that's honestly hell. (laughs) So that owners can make more money. But there has to be some better balance between accessibility for fans And continuing to please the network executives so that baseball can continue to make the same revenue and pay players what they're worth. Because if not, like, it's just going to stop cold turkey one day. Network executives are just going to be like, hey, we're done now. Like, next contract? Sorry. Like, we'll let, I don't know, Hulu bid on it. And then people who want to watch it need to get a Hulu subscription. And then people will be like, "Ah, well, I don't have a Hulu subscription anymore because i decided i wanted disney plus because i wanted to watch the mandalorian and now i'm just going to stop watching baseball because nba is like streaming live on twitter every night or something like i just don't get how they i know i've said this a million times i don't know how they don't see it slipping away from them i guess like when you put all of that money in front of your eyes it's really hard to see your sport falling apart
2: speak on it post them Bobby. Um. I'll say one thing and then we should uh, we should get to our conversation with Fabian. Uh, if you are not interested in uh, in shelling out 60 bucks for an MLB TV subscription, uh, might I suggest that you uh, you buy a T-shirt that says unionize the Miners." All of those, uh, all the proceeds go to more than baseball. <laughs> all that the
1: proceeds- $20 that you would have spent to watch every baseball game that Alex proposed it could get you one t-shirt, you know, every baseball game or one t-shirt. What's better? Every
2: baseball game or one t-shirt, uh, all proceeds go to minor leaguers who are out of a job right now and who are actually legitimately suffering amid this because they are already paid abysmal wages and now they're paid nothing. So uh, we got some new designs dropping uh, in the next day or two. Got some new some new team logos. Lots of people yelling at us that they're not Dodgers fans. And or they, they don't, don't like wearing they, white shirts. Well, they don't like wearing white shirts, which I guess is a thing. Which I, no judgment, you know. That's anyway, weird. go to our Twitter page.
1: Is a white shirt normcore? Like, is that lame? Am I lame for wearing a white shirt?
2: Yeah, it- I. It's like seventy five percent of my wardrobe is white shirts. So
1: and the other twenty five <laughs> is just plain black shirts.
2: That's <laughs> <it's> not wrong.
1: <laughs> Sorry, wait. Twenty three. The other twenty three is plain black shirts, and then it's like two percent A's jerseys. Yes, that you've accumulated over the years. And a knockoff Matt Harvey jersey that I've got. <laughs> somehow was like weird red paint on the arm. I don't know. I like it. Nice memory. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so new new designs, new t-shirts. Unionize the minors. We're still donating all that money to more than baseball. And they still need it. So, And they will always need it until minor leaguers get a union. The thing that the shirt is advocating for. So... <laughs> you know, we're on our way. Uh, So with that, let's uh, throw it to our conversation with Fabian Ardaya of The Athletic. Fabian of the Athletic Angels beat reporter over there at the Athletic. Fabian, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, no problem. How are you? That's my first question here. You're a beat reporter. You're covering a team. Baseball is coming back in a week and a half. What's going on in your head? How are you feeling?
0: Is it too like pessimistic to say like conflicted? <laughs> because I feel like obviously like covering baseball is something I love to do. Uh, I mean, I love baseball. And I think I mean obviously having a chance to cover baseball again like actual baseball and not like writing like the best angels trades the last like two decades or something like that is like obviously really cool. I'm excited about it, but obviously this isn't normal. Like I, I don't normally get my temperature checked every time I enter a ballpark. I don't have to like be siphoned off into a corner of the ballpark. So like, I think it's just a lot to get adjusted to. And I think that's sort of been the biggest thing for the last couple of weeks and sort of has been shaping how I've been feeling and working.
1: I feel like by tipping pitches standards, conflicted is pretty moderate. So you're totally within your realm (laughs) to come on here and say, Yeah, I'm feeling conflicted.
2: Yeah. I I am. I'm kind of curious, kind of, how you've been um, wrestling with this idea of like how to write about baseball in the year 2020. Because this was something that Bobby and I talked about um, a couple weeks ago when the announcement was official, baseball's coming back. And we were wondering, like, how do you responsibly talk about a sport that's ultimately meaningless that's being played amidst a pandemic um, and so I'm kind of just I'm kind of curious if these are conversations that you're you're having with your editors at the athletic are your colleagues talking about this what is the what is the media world talking about around all this
0: uh, at least for us at the athletic it's definitely something that's like an active conversation uh, I know we've decided pretty early on like not to report names unless the team like officially, like reports names, stuff so, like that. Like we're respecting privacy for guys and realizing like this isn't a normal situation. But yeah, like there is definitely like a struggle internally to like switch from like oh this person tested positive to what's this going to map Like what is this going to mean for first base? Like the Angels haven't like announced any positive tests or anything like that, or like uh, like the names of anyone who tested positive or anything like that. But like they've said who is and isn't in camp, and then all of a sudden. Like at an interest squad game, they're like rolling out like their fifth string first baseman as like the backup. Now it's like, well, how do I write about this? How do I, do I discuss this? And even mm. like a story like the other day, just like writing about Mike Trowell, it's like this is supposed to be like writing about like he's going for his fourth MVP. This is going to be obviously like a big year for him in the middle of his prime. And all of a sudden, you have to put all kinds of stuff into context. Like, is he even going to play? And that's something that is really interesting to think about and something I've sort of have tried to wrestle with when I decide even what to write about at this point.
1: What has been your impression of the energy around the team? I know that's a very like nebulous kind of question, but is it just like we're here doing our normal spring training routine or is it like a very present conversation how different things are?
0: Um, I think it's definitely a pretty present conversation. I think part of that is just because, I mean, because Mike Trout is on this team also. I think the fact that he is having to wrestle with this decision, uh, the fact that he is in a case where, like, obviously this is going to impact him in a lot of ways more than just in baseball. Uh, I think that shapes things. Uh, Joe Madden has sort of allowed it. So, like, a lot of the players can have a lot of say and sway uh, within, like, a leadership group. And Trout's obviously in there. Uh, so, I feel like that's probably part of the reason why they've already come out and said like even when you're on the road like wear a mask don't go out to bars don't go out to restaurants don't go out to large gatherings just stay home stay in your hotel like hotel room and like that's i feel like the minute like we heard that, I was like e- it's easy to see like what's influencing that what's pushing that uh and i think i mean they they see this as like a window of opportunity for the season if they can get through it like Obviously, in a 60-game season, your chances of making the playoffs are higher, and you're looking at a position where you just added Anthony Rendon. Uh, you have a couple of guys who are really right in the middle of their primes right now, and guys like Justin Upton who maybe like, have one or two more really productive years left if they can stay healthy. So like, they're really wanting to maximize this year, even though obviously it's going to be very competitive AL West, but like, they see the window there, and I think they want to make sure that like, they make the most of it as long as they can. You, uh, you brought up Joe Madden, who yeah, first of all That's uh,
1: Angels manager Joe Madden. For those keeping score at home who don't quite remember,
2: I you yes. mentioned Anthony Rendon right there, and I was like, oh right, that's he's Angels
1: on, third he's on, baseman Anthony Rendon. For Angels. those keeping score at
0: home, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I, I've myself have had to remind myself that like they signed Julio Tehran and Jason Castro. and I'm like, oh yeah, they trade for Dylan Bundy this offseason. Like, there's all kinds of different stuff I just, that feels like years ago.
2: Um, this past week, there was a Joe Madden spoke to the media and there were some quotes of his that were spun wildly out of context. Um, and I, the, I don't have the quotes exactly up in front of me. It was, it was very long winded. Um, but the point that he was saying is like, this is a very, this is a personal decision that you have to make whether or not to opt out of the season. Um, you know, if you don't think that you're going to be able to adhere to all of these standards, um, Don't do it because we need everyone in here committing to this 100%. Um, To me, the
1: person who should opt out is the person who does not want to follow the protocols. That's not been reported enough, I don't think. If you and your heart of hearts don't believe you can do all this stuff, then you're the person who should opt out. There's the full quote, just for the context. Which,
2: divorced of context makes it sound like what he's saying is the people who are opting out are the ones who think they just can't hack it. And they just can't adhere to these protocols, and that um, ultimately came out was not really what he was saying. But I'm I'm curious, kind of the you know we talked about the vibe a little bit in in camp. Is there like a sense of pressure that as you talk to players that they're feeling of having to lean like one way or another? Do people feel like compelled to play? I know I know it means a lot that Mike Trout, who is the greatest person to play baseball ever is waffling with this idea so how does that kind of i think impact the conversations the players are having
0: um as of right now obviously like no angels players have opted out yet but i think the way that joe madden has kind of phrased it and the way that he's talked about it in time since and just sort of knowing how he like sort of likes to and prefers to run a team like he sort of lets guys sort of Be themselves in a lot of ways, and that involves like even these conversations about the coronavirus. Like they've had team-wide Zoom calls, it's like to discuss them. Like they can have an open conversation about it. Where obviously, like you look at a baseball clubhouse, not everyone's going to feel the same way about something, uh, or not going to read the same news, keep up the same way. So like they're probably going to have different thoughts about like what this is going to mean. But I think, I think it's more like a team leadership part of it than necessarily Joe Madden forcing anyone play. But like they're as a team saying like, however you feel about this, like these are the health and safety protocols. And like, this is going to be the way for us to play a season. So let's do that as opposed to like forcing anyone to play. And even like Joe Madden was saying the other day, when he was asked about like Buster Posey opting out and like what that can mean maybe for Mike Trout. And he, he said, he, he doesn't know, I mean, he's going to leave that up to Mike and he's going to leave it up to whoever wants to make that decision not to play. And he commended obviously Buster Posey for his decision. Not to play. I mean, his scenario obviously is it's very important that he be at home right now, especially with two young, premature, adopted twins. Um, so, I mean, he, like Joe Madden is not going like, to force anyone to try to play this season. But as of right now, it seems like all the guys who are there are there. And, like, guys can always change their mind. I mean, Mike Trout has said he sort of, like, is going to give it a couple weeks and just sort of see where he's at and keep thinking it through. But like as of right now, it seems like everyone's sort of locked in on playing this year.
1: The Angels have the unique benefit of the fact that everybody who plays for the Angels probably lives right around that area because LA is such a great place to live in the offseason. So people, if they want to leave, can just just drive away. (laughs) Um, I wanted to ask you about, you mentioned some of the protocols and there was a lot of hubbub about testing last week and a lot of players and even GMs coming out and saying that it was such a mess. I know the Angels were one of the teams that the testers just, didn't show up so i wanted to ask you about how that has progressed over the last week and whether they've gotten things figured out whether you know players teams team personnel feel more confident in that process now as mlb is overseeing it or if there's still a lot of snags
0: Uh, at least publicly like they seem pretty uh secure about it like it they sort of played it off as like a one-time thing when it happened anyways uh but yeah i mean it's obviously like not ideal when your first weekend trying to implement these protocols all of a sudden you have guys trying to like they're just manufacturing their own tests and sending them to utah just because the tester didn't show up like that's something that's not obviously great um but like it seems like in the meantime like all their angels testing has been sort of figured out for now uh there hasn't been any other like really complaints i know sort of just as a preemptive mes- measure just to make sure that like all the results are in on a given day. They like push their workouts because like from the beginning of camp, they were pretty early morning workouts, just trying to like get everything, get all their work done, get, let players sort of just go home for the rest of the day. Uh, but now they sort of pushed it back to like go one o'clock uh, start for workouts. So like that, they can have more time to like have their tests be processed. What do you think the,
2: the weirdest thing to happen like on the angels roster playing a game. What's like the, the, the most out there thing that you think is going to happen for like a play, you know, like does David Fletcher hit 400 this year? Uh, does Albert Pujols pull a Chris Davis and maybe not get a hit the whole season? I like, I wasn't (laughs) sure with Chris
0: Davis you're going there.
1: (laughs) Could be either honestly. Does Albert Pujols hit exactly two forty seven <laughs> and hit fifty home runs.
2: We're we're obviously in like really bizarre circumstances with the smallest sample size we've seen in in a regular season. So like, are there weird things you're banking on uh, potentially happening this year?
0: I, I feel like I, I'm wrong for not saying my trap. I feel like it has to be something involving Shohei Otani, just because like there's two different ways that he can go and two different positions like could there be a way he has like a two ERA and like hits like 10 home runs and hits like 300? Like, yeah. Like, and that would probably maybe even be an MVP caliber year. Like he could win an MVP this year, possibly. Like we don't know what it's going to look like. And obviously like, we're still trying to figure out what Shohei Otani looks like on the mound post-injury. I mean, obviously stuff is there. Uh, He had his first outing against like batters the other day and he really struggled with his command, but like, he said it was didn't just like weird not walks
1: th- or something like that.
0: It was like eight walks or something like that. But <laughs> he said it was like it was watch? just weird not throwing off a bullpen mound for the first time in a year and a half. It was his first time like ever facing teammates like in his life where like he just didn't feel super comfortable pitching against guys he knew like that. And like it's sort of just stuff like that, like these just uh, it's just an adjustment. I think, especially with guys coming off of surgery like that, like it's just about like just rediscovering what works. But the thing that's important is that he's healthy and he's is there. And obviously we've seen that he can hit over the course of two years. And I know he said like last year was just really weird for him, like mentally not having to like switch between the two. And he's just like just focusing on his hitting. And with him being as obsessive as he is about his game, I feel like maybe that served as like a detriment to him in the second half of the season because he was just focusing so much on his hitting and what was going wrong and what wasn't working that like it maybe threw him a little bit out of whack.
1: Otani winning MVP for being a pitcher and a hitter, which is would be a very weird thing in this era of baseball, during this super weird 60-game season. It feels right. So, like, smart money on Otani. Let's do it, Alex. Let's place a tipping pitches bet. What do you think?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm in. I think it's just, like, the most fun end scenario either way, whether it works or not.
1: Yeah. Um, What are you hoping for from this season? For you, for the Angels for baseball in general. Like when you think okay, here's the best version of how this can go. 60 games I'm covering this day in and day out. Like what is a version of success for you? Because I think Alex and I have really grappled with that as fans of the game don't follow one team as closely as you do in terms of reporting. We're obviously fans of the Mets and A's, but I think we're tough we're having a tough time thinking like yeah, this is going to feel good at game 51. So for you Fabian, someone who's with a team day in and day out, understands the players, has relationships with the coaches, what would be success?
0: Uh, I think getting through the 60 game season without there being <laughs> anything too catastrophic. Just I think, honestly, it. I think that's the thing. Like, I honestly, my opinion on this is going to change like hour by hour, day by day, really. Like, I think, honestly, we're not going to really know for sure until if or until we get to opening day. 'Cause like that's when guys are gonna travel. That's when you're no longer within your like your team bubble or anything like that. Like there's so many different factors that all of a sudden open up the second of the guys start traveling. Uh so I think that's when we're really gonna see what this happens. I mean, obviously from a baseball standpoint, I think just I'm interested to see like what kind of like cool, interesting stuff there could be. Like we mentioned, like what Shohei Otani can look like where you don't really have to worry about his workload too much just because it is a shortened season. It's not like you have to have him on an innings restriction or anything like that. Obviously for like my own sake, I hope to have like good stories and good stuff to write about and find ways to like manage some of the new like access that we have where it's pretty much restricted to zoom. So if I can personally find ways like around it,
1: you want to do a little trial and error right now? Like you want to pretend to interview us? Like I'll be David Fletcher and Alex can be Dylan Bundy. (laughs)
0: Oh man, those are two really just giant characters to go off of too. <laughs> I think I they think just put David Fletcher in a headline. It probably will get like at least a few people look at it. So
2: how you mentioned that change in access. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like how it's changed from last year?
0: Yeah. So, um, like typically like, last year or like in a normal season, like there'd be like an hour before the game where you're in the clubhouse, you're able to sort of just see, like talk to guys who are there. Um, and that sort of just like naturally opens itself to just random conversations. Like I'll randomly be talking to Cam Bedrosian just about the office, just cause he's a giant fan. Like they're showing it in the clubhouse or I can like actually have conversations about like stuff that they're working on stuff that I'm not necessarily even going to write or write immediately, but just so I know. And, sort of can be more informed when I'm like writing and talking about it. And obviously like that leads to a lot more in like individual access, stuff like can be unique. Like there's stuff that like Jeff Fletcher of the orange County register can get that I won't get just cause he's talking to a guy. But now the way it's set up the way the angels have done it, at least it's basically been a player per day on zoom. And then Joe Madden every day on zoom. And once the season starts, obviously like we'll get like the starting pitcher of the day and stuff like that. But like, it's hard to really find stuff that's unique when you have just those two guys to go off of it. Like, like now I'm gonna try to like work on a story back to wait and see when they're going to schedule like certain guys to talk and I have to like sneak in the question here and there and hope that like someone else isn't like trying to write the same thing and trying to use the same stuff for their own story. So like, it's it's sort of weird managing that and like get to like try to like rely on the people that you do talk to outside of these zoom conferences. But like it's, it's weird time. I think everyone's sort of like adjusting to it. Like, obviously I understand that it's gotta be different this year. There's like health and like real reasons, like to not have us in the clubhouses. I do really hope though, once things get back to normal, I can go back to a normal clubhouse setup though.
1: Yeah.
2: You gotta, you gotta start using the private uh, message function on zoom, you know, just like send a DM directly to David Fletcher.
0: (laughs) That's the the problem. They have like one zoom room and like one main account that they bring guys into. Yeah, uh, if, like,
1: with a breakout room, bro. <laughs> Use that yeah. Zoom function, Joe Madden. Answer my poll. <laughs> yeah,
0: the, the, I think the players like the way they set up Angel Stadium now for like social distancing is like they still have the main clubhouse, but like guys can go like hang out in their own individual suites, like so they're not like just sitting around, guys. But I need to find a way to, like connect to like the iPads flying in there and just like yeah. Zoom message them.
1: <laughs> Open like a burner <laughs> Zoom account for yourself in the play. Exactly. Yeah. Um. That's really funny. Are you so do you anticipate like that your one on one interactions with players, like whether it's like text or phone call or whatever, are going to go down because this is the only access they have to give via Zoom? Or is that like not something that you know the answer to yet?
0: I don't really know yet. I think like, especially because now it's just like training camp. So guys still have like, a lot of free time on their hands and they probably will during the season too. Like if they're not if they're not leaving the hotel room, like they're sort of just like, going to be sitting around. But like, if you're just sitting around, are you going to want to talk to someone or are you just going to want to keep doing what you're doing? Uh So I think that's something that we're still trying to figure out. I think it also just like depends on the relationships we have with certain guys. Uh I I think like I'm hoping that like, as the season progresses, as this becomes the new quote unquote, like normal for at least what a season looks like, they start to like, have a better idea, but more feel for things. And there can be like guys who are just more open to like they if someone does want to talk one on one, maybe they're more willing to, or like PR is more able to like set stuff up just because they don't have to remind guys of what the routine is or anything like that. So that's what my hope is, just like as this season progresses, guys start to feel a little bit more comfortable in this and they figure out a way that's pretty efficient and helps guys sort of do their jobs. But obviously like a Zoom call is like really hard still to replicate some of the stuff that's in person in the conversation. That's just like a casual conversation.
1: Yeah. You you mentioned the office for Cam Badrosian. I'm sure that a lot of baseball players across America are going to be rewatching the office a lot of times this year. There's gonna be like a bunch of really shitty shows that people rewatch too that are just like not worthy of the time, but baseball players are just going to be trying to kill time in their hotel room.
0: Oh absolutely I don't know like if you read the story that Andy McCullough did for us, but like there's like there was this tradition for like years in the visitors clubhouse, Angel Stadium, where like any day game, they would just like put Dumb and Dumber on the main TV there, <laughs> and it's really funny because like a lot of times like guys don't really, really like notice what's on TV, cause, like because like there's sometimes where where I'd walk in the clubhouse and like ask about like stuff that's on just like as an icebreaker, and they, like, they they've been staring at the TV for so long, but they just like didn't like register like what they were watching necessarily. <laughs> so like that's why it's funny because like in that store, like I think like he talked to like Ichiro, and Ichiro was like, "I had no idea that like they were airing like Dumb and Dumber," and like he's someone who played in the division, like played a lot. Of day yeah, hundred games
1: there, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, and just like I had no idea.
2: <laughs> Feels like one of those things where maybe he doesn't consciously know, but if you start quoting it, he's immediately going to start reading the lines yeah. back to you because he's seen it. enough. Yeah, like all there times. are
0: so many references just banked and these <laughs> ball players' heads and it's just like all dumb and dumber references and they just don't know why
1: <laughs> maybe we can set up an interview with each row and just make it dumb and dumber bits alex what do you <laughs> yeah think? Exactly. yeah absolutely so let's i, I want to talk to you about just how it's been covering the angels because i mean obviously weird season aside you've been covering them for a little while now and from a national perspective it can be reductive in terms of how we think about this team because it's like oh mike trout is on the team obviously greatest player of his generation maybe greatest player of all time they still somehow always end up right around 500 um how do how have you been able to find like new ways to tell that story in and out throughout each season
0: yeah like i I know obviously like the main draw for the angels obviously is going to be my trout. And that's why I've sort of have tried to like make a point of writing about him. I think last year I make, make like set a goal of like trying to write something different about like some sort of weird feature about him per month. And like, I found some success with it. I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do that for, <laughs> uh, just cause like he's a super nice guy, great guy. And like, obviously he has his interests away from the game, but it's just like, there's only so many different stories you can tell about someone. Um, but the thing about the Angels that's like really interesting uh, for me, at least, like I think I've written in the past, it's sort of like an MLB TV All Star team. Like, so a lot of different guys that are really entertaining to watch play baseball, even if the team is around 500 record-wise. Like, Anderson Simmons is just really cool to watch play baseball. Like the way he moves around the field, the way he plays defense, and so like I try to like pick like pick at that like little piece of like thing that interests me and try to like find a ri- way to write about like. The way that Angelton Simmons plays defense and stuff like that, like Albert Pujols is someone who, like I grew up like with him being my favorite player. Like it's really interesting covering him now at, at a different stage of his career, and like that's something that's always been sort of fascinating. Any chance I get a chance to write about it, like Justin Upton is still like he's a former number one overall pick, and, like and an All Star. Like he's a legitimately great player, and obviously Shohei Otani is someone who will always be incredibly interesting to write about. So I think that's been the biggest thing is just finding the individual pieces and the individual threads that interest me. And I think the way like the stage that the angels are at right now with sort of how they develop things has really helped me out a little bit just because like, they're finally at a point where like their farm system is like producing like future big league players, guys who are interesting. Maybe they aren't going to be like all-star guys, but like these are like new homegrown players. The angels haven't had in a long time. and Their fans are pretty interested in So like, yeah, they'll be interested in like what Taylor Ward did after they moved him off as a catcher and like what Matt Thice is able to do. And then obviously like Joe Adele is sort of who everyone's been waiting for. And even Brandon Marsh now, like like there's all kinds of different stuff that like Angels fans are pretty interested in. So I'm glad that like at least there's like different individual people that are like really just entertaining from a baseball nerd standpoint and that sort of like fits right into like what I really enjoy out of the game. So I try to just make the most of it. that
1: it's fun how like kind of starved angels fans are for other stars to talk about like i remember when griffin canning came up and he was pitching really well in his first few starts so there was like a griffin canning hive it's like all right like he wasn't (laughs) you know like they just get so excited to talk about people other than trout and now i guess otani but uh because it's been so long since they've had like a collection of young talent like that that you're talking about but i imagine like putting joe adele in the headline is very beneficial for you
0: it is, and like even now, like Anthony Rendon's the best teammate that Mike Trout's ever had. Like as far as like at the level that they are at when they're actually playing together, because uh, I don't want to disrespect Albert Pools anyway, because he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But like Anthony Rendon's the best player that Trout's had as a teammate, and like that's something that's really interesting to think about. Just like he's had so, like Mike Trout's had so many notable players as teammates, but they haven't necessarily crossed paths with him at the right time. Like he was teammates with like Tim Lincecum, like Brandon Phillips, which is like really good thing about all (laughs) Jonathan Lucroy. It's weird to have, like, think about all the different guys for, like, notable names that the Angels have had who have crossed paths with Trout. Just, like, it feels like at the wrong time. So, like, now it feels like for the first time, it's, like, Shohei Otani is just now entering his prime, you'd think. Anthony Rendon's, like, right in the middle of his prime. Joe Adele is about to burst onto the scene. So, like, it feels like now, like, all that talent is coming together at the right time for the first time, really, in Mike Trout's career because even when he first came up, even in 2014, when the Angels had the best record in baseball, like those were a lot of veterans, and you saw like immediately afterwards, like Jared Weaver's like production fell off a little bit, like the guys around him sort of fell off a little bit. They traded Howie Kendrick. Like, so like it's hard like this is the first time it really feels like they at least have a shot at building something somewhat sustainable around him.
2: What do you think changed? Because I feel like the angels have been trying to do this, whether full-heartedly or half-heartedly, for a few years now, right? And they're dogged by everyone. And it's like, you have Mike Trout in his prime and you are wasting him, right? I feel like that is the kind of common refrain. And you're, you're right that right now it feels like everything is just kind of coming together. And... I'm sure that a part of that is just like luck of being able to sign Anthony Rendon at the right time while you just got Shohei Otani a couple of years ago. But I'm kind of curious, like obviously you couldn't have done that five years ago, but why didn't they do that like five years ago? You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it, part of it's like the position that like the front office was at. And also who was running that front office. I think when Trout first came up, like that was, like you're looking at the very last pieces of like that second wave of that angels run in the 2000s. So like a lot of those guys who they drafted and signed in the late, late two thousands, like the Jared Weavers and those types of players, like that was like the last bit of that run. So Jerry Poto running that front office, a lot of those trades and deals were made around like sort of extending that window as long as possible. And so that meant like through 2015, like they were still like, Trying to sign Josh Hamilton, trying to sign C.J. Wilson. Although I will defend the C.J. Wilson contract, I think he lived up to it.
1: But Jerry I, like, Depoto like, refusing like, to rebuild. I'd never heard of that before.
0: <laughs> He's trying it now, though. But <laughs> um, but uh, like like trading Tyler Skaggs and Patrick Corbin to try to get Dan Heron, which is another trade. I'll so I'll still defend because Dan Heron was very good for the Angels for a while. All kinds of, like those types of moves, which yeah, like they help your chances to win but also like just the where they were financially it it sort of locked them up as far as being able to add depth and they never really really able to add depth so like they've had this like MLB TV type of roster for like a while where it's like you have like your top 10 like that's a pretty good top 10 and then all of a sudden you're like from spot 20 to 40 on the 40 man roster all of a sudden it's just these guys who you're rotating in there um Billy Epler, uh, when he came in I think something you try to do is something similar to what the Yankees wound up doing, which is trying to, to rebuild without completely bottoming out. Like, and obviously that's easier to do when you're the Yankees, you have a little bit more spending power. You can add a lot more of that depth and you can like hang around 500 or or with a winning record. If you're the Yankees and still be able to find ways to revamp your farm system, revamp what you're emphasizing as an organization. I think what the angels have done now in the last few years just try to realize, like, all right, we're going to try to still be competitive within that range where, like, if the right set of factors come into play, but it can sneak into the playoffs. And they almost did in 2017, despite the fact that they were, like, 80 and 82 they were still pretty close because the wild card wasn't that good that year. Uh, so, like, they have cases like that. But also, like, they've been trying to sort of find guys that can, hit, like, that will hit. So, like, it's – they've been going for a lot of, like, these – high upside guys in the draft trying to just see what kind of like they're really placing a bet on the player development to be able to help these guys like really hit and be stars. And I think it's worked with Joe Adele so far. Brandon Marsh seems like he had, has a chance to be a future big leaguer and a productive big leaguer at that. And then Jordan Adams obviously is in the player pool. Now Like they have guys that you can at least like project. And that's something that they haven't had in a long time. And they finally managed to turn around some of the guys that they did draft under DePoto and turn them into at least contributors. And by doing that, obviously, like, the way baseball's like payroll structure works is like the more young players you have on your roster, the more money you have to spend elsewhere on free agents. And doing that along with the Hamilton contract coming off the books and some of those other big contracts coming off the books and the timing of Anthony Rendon hitting free agency and the fact that they were able to convince Anthony Rendon to sign after they missed out on Garrett Cole, like all those different things like sort of fell into their lap to be able to sign Rendon in this case. And then obviously like for the case with Otani, like that was sort of people had an idea that he might leave in 2017, but it's not like the angels were shaping their offseason around trying to get him. And then once they did get him, like nobody knew what the process was going to look like. Nobody knew exactly what the factors were going to be. So it's not like the angels could bank on being able to sign Otani. It's so, like some of it is luck some of it is organizational philosophy and some of it is sort of like figuring out the timing, which makes this year like really interesting because like Billy Eppler, the guy that put them in this spot, like they haven't had a winning record under him, but like he has put them in this position where people can feel optimistic about their future. And he's entering the last year of his contracts. So we'll see like what this year can mean for him, what this year can mean. Then obviously for the next five, 10 years of this organization. Yeah, no pressure, Billy. You got sixty games uh, to to prove <laughs> that, your worth. That's word. a tough thing. Like that's gonna be a really like the thing that, about this year is like like can they really make a decision off the sixty game schedule or like do they yeah. give them a one year extension yeah. or like yeah. what does it matter like I, and that's obviously stuff that like they aren't even really probably gonna be able to have conversations about right now because I think they're just focused right now on being able to put a season together, which is yeah, throw sort of the whole other wrench into this.
1: Focus on what's right in front of you right now. I I know I personally. Was really rooting for Garrett Cole to go to the Angels, not because I have like I hold a grudge against the Yankees. That is true, but I was mostly rooting for Garrett Cole to go to the Yankees <laughs> so that like him and Otani could exchange notes, and, like maybe teach each other a he's couple a big pitches, fan of Otani's a couple Otani's pointer, too. Like, he's, pointers. He's talked
0: like pretty like openly about how much he admires Otani and what he's able to do. I think for me, just from a coverage standpoint, I think for, like Garrett Cole been really fascinating to cover. Like I love the way he talks about the game and way he talks and thinks about baseball just like blows my mind so also he would have to keep
1: his beard too which is important you know
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) but uh like yeah and obviously like that that whole like 48 hours is just crazy just to think about because like anthony Rendon wasn't really even someone people thought the angels were targeting until like 12 hours before cole signed and then all of a sudden within 36 hours of that like anthony Rendon was an angel
1: yeah it's so interesting. And Alex asked the question about why haven't they started building around Mike Trout before all this? But it's so interesting how teams having the best player in a sport almost like poisons your mindset in terms of how you view risk reward because you just don't want to screw it up. And like the fact that you don't want to screw it up oftentimes makes you screw it up. It's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. It's like LeBron in Cleveland where they surround him with Shaq and Anton Jameson. It's like very similar to what you're describing with Mike Trout where they surround him with Josh Hamilton well post peak and some of these other guys who they threw contracts at just to try to get stars around him so that they could compete while he was still young and relatively affordable. But it's like now that they have him under contract for 12 years or whatever, it's like, okay, we can kind of play the long game a little bit, but really you should have probably been playing that type of game the whole time. It's really interesting how front offices view that and how young stars can contribute to that mindset, especially in baseball when most front offices don't care how good you are they don't want to resign you for more money
0: yeah i mean also it's hard to really bottom out when you had the best player in baseball on your team like first of all just from like an actual like statistical standpoint like like wins above replacement will get you like to a certain point and also just from a point like where they're still trying to resign him you have to like show some sign of progress and obviously like the money is going to help even for a guy like Mike Trout, he would already signed a hundred million dollar contract before that. Like, and he, but he talked about like how he would like text Billy Epler like after games, like ask how the guys were doing in the minor leagues, and like he had a good relationship with Billy and stuff like that. Like he cares about winning. Like I think that's like the one thing that's really sucks about like the narrative about Mike Trout like they think he doesn't care about winning. Like he obviously cares. Like and he wants to win, but he, he feels like he can do it with the Angels. And like the thing is like when you sign a 12-year deal, like, it's hard to really, no one can really say for sure, like, what any teams are are really are, like, of being able to contend within a 12-year window, except for, like, maybe the Yankees and the Dodgers, just because they have the financial capacity to make that happen. So, like, he placed a bet on staying with a team he felt comfortable with, and, like, that's been the biggest thing. And now, obviously, the Angels, yeah, you're right. Like, they're in a position where, like, they know how much they're paying Mike Trout, They know how much of their payroll is going to be taken up by that for the rest of his time there. And now they can sort of just focus on building around him on building something sustainable and building a farm system that year in and year out can be at least like close to the middle of the pack and can produce some quality big leaguers. And then Artie Moreno has shown in the past, at least for like these big name free agents, he's willing to show up money. So if he keeps doing that, then obviously you can add stars around him and then have hopefully that young Nucleus that can sort of fill in the gaps And fill out that depth that they lacked Early on in Trout's career
1: Yeah. And
2: it would be so fun to see him in the playoffs That's just, I just would like That's to see Mike Trout in October
1: And like yeah, Alex I mean, is a fan Of the A's so the Angels being in the playoffs Directly damages him But still, like it's just so worth it
0: well, if everyone keeps saying that these 60 games are like a playoffs, then you could sort of treat these as like Mike Trout's playoff sets. We really, yeah. really thought about it.
1: So. <laughs> I'm sure like old-timey baseball heads will appreciate that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they definitely won't have any problem with that mentality. Okay. He is Fabian Ardaya of The Athletic. He covers the artist formerly known as the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Fabian, <laughs> let people know where they can go find your work, how they can subscribe to read what you do, uh, anything else you're working on that you want people to know about.
0: Uh, so yeah, you can subscribe to the Athletic. We always have like some sort of deal going on. We always have a free, free trial if you really want to give us a shot. Um, I'm working on a couple of different projects right now, I and mean, a couple of them just about Angels players. Some of them just wider about the game of baseball. But like, please check out our content. Like, it's it's more than just for me because like I, I wouldn't subscribe just for me. That's no, you should you definitely <laughs> should. But um, but like the fact that you also get like Ken Rosenthal, you get the rest of our MLB staff, you get any sport you want. So like. Definitely subscribe to The Athletic, it helps me out. And uh, follow me at or Die on Twitter. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, anytime guys. i
1: thousands to spend. Alright, thank you to Bobby and thank you to Alex. Rodriguez for listening thank you to Alex Baisley for making this podcast with me <laughs> it, we, we talk going. about
2: we talk about Alex Rodriguez as if he's like a like a seed funder you know of us like he's as if he's invested in us
1: do you know that he's not do you know that I didn't cut a deal with him
2: I don't technically you,
1: me Alex Rodriguez and Barstool Big head on the ground floor of stop <laughs> stop <laughs> too far the bits too far <laughs> Maybe we can see if Marcus Hayes wants to invest.
2: Oh, God. We can get Steve Cohen in on this, too. I hear he's got some money to throw around.
1: Yeah, seriously. And listen, if A-Rod and J-Lo don't get the Mets, that's just more money that they can put towards tipping pitches. Let's collab.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they're trying to diversify that portfolio.
1: Uh, Anything else you need to leave the listeners with other than make sure you keep your eyes peeled, your Twitter fingers ready for those unionized, the miners' designs that Alex is grinding away at my man is like he's like Andy Warhol in his art studio crushing those designs you guys can't see it right now but the whole it's like really it's really something
2: yeah no I mean my my wall right now looks like uh looks like I'm trying to solve like a murder you know I got like photos up everywhere and like pins and Mm -hmm. and you know designs crossed out and and circled yeah exactly a real life inspo board Let's get on I do, Pinterest. I do it for you, the listeners. Do you Let's. think
1: we could drive traffic to our podcast from Pinterest? <laughs> Any other social medias <laughs> that listeners think we should get on? Let us know. Google uh, Plus, baby. Yeah, Google Plus. Um, we appreciate you listening. Uh, we would appreciate a five star rating and review. If you want to put the social media that we should be on in the review, that would be great too. I will see it. I will read it because I have too much free time on my hands. Thanks to Fabian again, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.